Welcome to the Everything RVC Podcast. I am David Costello, joined as always by Amanda Keeper. Hello, Amanda. Hello, David. Did you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday? You know, I did. It was it was different, but it was really, really nice. So my yeah. husband and I, my husband and I, Gary, and my son Noah. We sat around the table and had a very small dinner for three. Mm-hmm. We had some good memories, some good conversation. And my stepson, Gabe, stopped over, and we hadn't seen him for quite some time because he's uh, out at, he's in Milwaukee going to school there. Mm-hmm. So that was an unexpected guest. You know how when people stop by unexpectedly, it's yeah. almost better than sometimes when it's planned. So it was nice. How about you and Becky? Yeah, and normal yeah. times, I would say that. Of course, mm-hmm. during COVID, I might be like, get out of here. Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. I don't like surprises. <laughs> Same thing. It was just us. And mm-hmm. then um, Becky's mom, because she's there every day. We consider her in our COVID bubble. Sure. And she watches Elliot every day. So, yep. And she'd be alone otherwise. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just the four of us and the cat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was different. but And I did miss seeing everybody. You know, we did a Zoom call with my family and stuff like that. But um, it was also nice in a way that day is usually really hectic. Yes. Uh, yes. Trying to go to all the houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to not have three places to go mm-hmm. and to just be chill. So, yeah. but that being said, I'm ready to get back to normal next year. So, yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Well, let's indeed. find out what our guests did for this holiday break. Yeah. We're excited today to have uh, two guests. This is the first time first we've time had ever. a duo. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. we're joined by our adult ed uh, extraordinaires, uh, Trisha Wagner and Pat Young. Welcome, Trisha. Welcome, Pat. Thank you so much. Hello. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. Yes. For the first time ever, we have two guests, so there'll be four people in the conversation. So listeners, if it gets a little crazy... You know why. You know why. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess for starters, uh, Pat and Trisha, we just had a conversation last week about kind of branding or rebranding adult education. And one of the problems is maybe the term itself, right? Uh, Adult education, because all of our students, unless they're in high school, are adults. Mm. So is it confusing? Do people not understand? Can you explain to people what adult education is at Rock Valley? Yeah, it's it's, uh, actually, if you were to get your master's or your PhD in adult education, you would study everything from what we do to uh, HR training, you know, for large institutions to continuing or community ed. And so, yes, uh, our, our, our immediate staff certainly knows what it is. The field is extremely complex and it's, uh, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, but for our students, we try not to use the term because they may not quite perceive what it is, or they may not think of it as an academic pathway you know adult Mm -hmm. education doesn't have the same connotations as like you know an academic program which it really is we're teaching students basic education secondary ed english as a second language and um, if they wish we hope to transition them to higher education so that it really is uh, a straight pipeline to rock valley Okay, so that helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. So adult education is a pathway to other programs or to the workforce? Absolutely. Okay, so 
Pat, can you give us some examples when you work with a new student who comes in and you're both at the downtown office, right? Which I love. I absolutely love the downtown office and you both know that. I've always said if I could have a full-time office downtown, I would (laughs) would absolutely love it. Oh, it's awesome. Right by wire, taco Mm -hmm. bettys. Yeah, we party it up. Yeah, yeah. So Pat, you're talking to a new student what are some of the first questions that you ask them? Well, they come to us not individually, which is a little different because we usually meet our students for the first time in a testing process. Okay. But um, we love to, um, you know, before COVID, when we could all be there and, and share and all of that, um, you know, it's, it's really fun to see them come in and, um and start to begin to, you know, develop a relationship with them mm-hmm. when they say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm here. Or, you know, the, the dad drops off the daughter or, you know, something like that. And, and um, you know, we say, we have to take really good care of them and they'll be fine. And they get through the testing process. But it's really once they enter our um, our classrooms that the, that the true um, relationships, you know, start to develop. Mm-hmm. So we don't meet them individually, if that is your question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so describe that testing process. If someone is listening right now, what would be the first step? Well, if we were in normal times, it would be a little different than it is now. But sure. our normal process is um, they uh, we open an online enrollment form on, on our uh, website. Mm-hmm. And a person fills it out, takes about five minutes, kind of all of biographical information. And... Um, and then they choose a testing session, and then they come down to um, well, my people come down to um, a downtown location and do a testing session. And then from there, depending on um, how they they score on the reading assessment, determines what what level class they come into. Now, Trisha's is a little different. She actually, well, I don't know. I guess we did them all downtown this last year, didn't we? Trisha? We sure did. Gosh, I can't even remember the time frame. It's so, so when crazy, you say. But, huh? Your people versus what? Trisha's people. Your your area is is the adult adult basic education and adult secondary education. Okay. So these are um, students seeking um, a high school equivalency or a GED. Got it. Um, sure. Or they can also be students who um, have perhaps tried to get into Rock Valley and have um, showed some some um, uh, lacking some skills and some sure. basic education. So. Um, some of our funding can be used for those people. They may have a high school diploma, but they're not scoring high enough to, you know, on the assessments in Rock Valley to, to do that. So they come to us that way also. Um, it's an interesting, diverse group of, of people that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people think, oh, they don't have high school diploma. They're probably, you know, who knows. But mm-hmm. it's not. We get people from our program starts at 17 and goes up. We always have people in their 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Our oldest might have been late seventies. I can't even remember now. But um, wow. so you know, it's a really diverse population. They come to us for many, many reasons. Um, you know, the younger ones are coming because they did drop out of school for one reason or another. But the older ones are maybe facing challenges with um, their job, mm-hmm. or um, they've lost their job and they're trying to you know. And then all of a sudden, find out that they need you know a high school diploma yeah. or GED to you know to get back into the workforce. So it's, it's a really diverse population. Now, Trisha's, that's where the diversity is. Okay, so talk about that, Trisha. Who are your people? <laughs> yeah, your... so, well, and I, I think I said this to you before, Dave, but 
but Pat and I will die on the hill that uh, that to defend the reality that that they're all one population, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we kind of jokingly say, you know, uh, hers and hers, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, yeah. but they, they they are adult education, every one of them, uh, because it, just like there's a link between our program and Rock Valley, there's also links between Pat's program and. And what I guess would call uh, the one that I, I provide leadership for. But um, but I have the English as a second language group. And so these are students who come to us at, at many different levels. We offer seven levels of English as a second language. And just like Pat described, we give them an initial assessment, figure out where they need to go. And then they're you know, placed into a class for that level. Some students come to us very high, Mm -hmm. you know, almost college ready. And we have an academic English program that provides the highest level students that option to familiarize them with, uh, with transitioning to Rock Valley or career, career fields, that kind of thing. And it goes all the way down to our, our pre-literacy level, which, uh, Rock Valley, um, college shares, um, a refugee resettlement community and so many of our students are refugees, and they're either refugees that have some education in their own country or, um, or non-refugee immigrants, or they come to us having absolutely no experience in education, can't hold a pencil. Right. So very, very wide span of individuals. And so we take them um, you know, from the, the, the very lowest skills, and we, we have you know, angels that work at that level that are able to teach them the basic skills and how to be a student to, so that they can you know, move up and on, and they do. And it's mm-hmm. it's super inspiring to watch. Uh, Pat mentioned the diversity. We love to talk about this. Um, you know, you think about an, an ESL program, we probably serve, you know, five to 600 English as a second language individuals in a given year. Okay. And um, Pat serves about the same number of, of GED prep students as well, or adult basic and secondary ed. Mm-hmm. Um, of those five or 600 students, we will have 51 countries represented. Wow. And wow. 49 languages were spoken last year. And, and that doesn't even count the dialects. You know, there are many di- dialects of Arabic and other languages. So we have, you know, you walk into a classroom and you expect, you know, uh, 12 people to be kind of from the same place. Or yeah. a common question is, well, do your, are your teachers, did they speak a couple of languages? Right. And the answer is no, no, because it wouldn't do us any good. We they would need to speak forty nine. You know. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> yes. Yeah. So, and some of our, our instructors are indeed you know bilingual, or they have some functionality in a few languages. But uh, we teach using an English immersion strategy, so everything is taught in English. It's one hundred percent English. Mm-hmm. The one exception is that we have on Pat's side um, a GED prep class in Spanish, so okay. that is available. But everything else on the ESL side is English immersion, and we. Um, you know, I started in the program in 2016, and I remember registering newcomer refugees at that time, and we could not communicate at all. Mm-hmm. And now we can have a conversation, and it's just thrilling to see now. You know, to see them get their driver's license, to see them, yeah. you know, uh, or ultimately enroll in Rock Valley classes or take our academic English program, and you know, really make advancements. So the data from last year, you said 51 countries and 49 languages. That's it. We're represented. That's that it. is unbelievable. Yeah, talk about diversity. Wow. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around that with the whole, because I was going to ask you the question, you answered it before I asked it, which was, do your instructors speak these different languages? So if somebody is coming in, say, at the very lowest possible level, right, how are they 
How do they communicate from I the know. beginning? It's, it's, it really is incredible. Well, number one, ESL instruction is a performing art. So you do just everything in your power to communicate the, the concept. You move very slowly, and there's a ton of repetition. That's mm-hmm. the method. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when they're first coming in, though, and we're meeting them, we have lovely relationships with Rock Valley College Refugee Services and Catholic Charities who do have translators for the common languages. A lot of our students come already speaking uh, one, two more languages. So uh, they they may share, even if they, they speak Tigrini, Swahili, you know, and, 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 and then African dialect, they, they may have a commonality of French or they may not, but they're the, the most common languages, uh, we do have case managers and those sister organizations that come with them mm-hmm. and they'll, you know, translate the directions for the test or help them fill out the enrollment form or, or whatnot. Uh, once they're in class, though, that their case managers help them, you know, to access the class, transportation, that kind of thing. But once they're there, they're completely in the hands of our teachers, and our students bond very tightly to their teachers because mm-hmm. they determine, you know, communication strategies, and the teachers are, you know, um, a- amazingly patient, you know, and uh, if a student is, is, is not getting it or needing repetition, you know, we give them as much attention as we possibly can. We have an awesome curriculum, a couple of awesome curriculum uh, sources that they can draw from. And just day by day, one, one factor or characteristic of our classes is they're, they're highly intensive. We actually uh, teach about 12 hours a week in the morning, which is, which is higher intensity than many adult ed programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about nine hours if they're in an evening class. And our students really respond to that. They, they really need that much intensity to, to advance. And those that have great retention I mean, you can see it semester by semester, the progress made. How many people on average, you know, I know COVID is different, but on average, how many students are enrolled in these programs? On average, well, uh, from uh, the last time I checked data, it was from FY16 to FY20 to kind of get a a grasp of, you know, kind of that. And we ranged anywhere from about 1,000 students to about 1,700 with an average of about 1,200 a year. Um, We do see enrollment declines in the state that's happening statewide. Our enrollment declines have been fairly smaller. You know, our community still does have quite a demand, Mm -hmm. but we're fortunate to not have waiting lists. We can pretty much accommodate, you know, most every student who comes to us. And we have other community partners, the Literacy Council and um, RPS also offer adult education classes. So we we definitely have good relationships and can kind of Mm -hmm. handle everyone. But that being said, there are certainly more individuals in our community that don't take our classes for whatever reason. They can't because of work schedules. They don't quite see the need for it yet or the value. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps they haven't heard of it, you know, which we, we're always trying to get out there and beat the drum to let students know about these programs. But we, we uh, do know that the need in our community is is uh, very significant. Sure. Mm, I can imagine a collaboration with the tech bus. And I'm sure you've heard about the tech bus that's going around to all of the neighborhoods where a lot of people that don't have access to some of our programs can learn about our programs. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. They could absolutely, uh, yeah, direct people our way, at, yes. you know, hands down. Yes. Yeah, we have some great collaborations and partnerships Uh one of our collaborations is called um, ICAPS, and this is a partnership between our department and basically the credit side of the house where mm-hmm. we, have, uh, we have students that are both in either our English as a second language classes or our GED prep. They're, they tend to be higher level mm-hmm. um, or moderate level with, with some of them, um, but they're either in industrial welding, IT network technician, or mechatronics. Mm-hmm. And so they're working on uh, getting 
training with us as well as getting training to, to basically accelerate their their program. And so, yeah, the, those partnerships, anything we can do to kind of either access parts of the community that we're not or help mm -hmm. our students right. to reach further. Wow. Yeah. Again, it's another day where there are so many things going on at RBC that I really did not know the depth and breadth of. So yeah. thank you for that, that explanation. Now, Pat, you are on the, Pat, you're on the side where you're working with students that are transitioning from um, high school for whatever reason they dropped out and now they're returning, some of them. Uh, yep. my, you know, that, that's really close to my heart. My mom had my brother when she was 15 and she had me when she was 18 years old. And, um, she was in a program similar to that. And then my sister-in-law, she dropped out of high school. She had my niece and nephew when she was 17 and 18, um, Ann Thornton. And she went through the program a few years ago. I don't know if you know her. But I do know Anne. So, I absolutely do know Anne. Yeah. And I am so proud of Anne because it was something, you know, going back and getting your GED is something that some people bring shame with them. Mm -hmm. And Anne was such an advocate at the end of it. At first, she didn't know if she should do it. By the end of it, she she went through it. She publicized her 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 Facebook post. When she went through the graduation ceremony, she absolutely knew that this was okay, that her path, maybe it wasn't the path that some of her friends took, but this path was okay. And it was a beautiful path that she was so proud of it. And I couldn't have been more proud to share that moment with her. Oh, Pat and Trisha, you can both speak to this. I've been there and Amanda, if you haven't, you need to make it to one when we get back to normal. Mm -hmm. But the, the adult ed um, graduation ceremony which is held the day before the credit side commencement ceremony is an amazing mm -hmm. event mm -hmm. because you see that, what you just described, times what, Pat, 200 or so? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, anywhere the, from 100 to 200 people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just the pride in that room. And uh, it's a little bit more, I don't know, how would you describe that environment, Pat, compared to it's, it's, it's nothing like a college graduation. It really isn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, it, we're just, we're open, pretty open, pretty free. Things happen that we never plan on. We have babies passed down the yes. aisles. We have grandkids walking up on the stage, all kinds of things. But mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because that's what this whole program is about. But I used to always say I work 365 days a year for that one night. Yes, yes. Because that's exactly what it is. And the impact. Um, on these people and we don't I don't even think we we can as as directors or um, even as instructors realize the huge impact that we have on these people's lives yes and they'll say you know this is the I never thought I could do it you believed in me before I believed in myself um, and, and then all goes back to we Trisha and I talk about this all the time we have the most amazing staff of instructors they are just, they, they know their place. They know their students. Um, you're related to one of my instructors, Amanda. Yes, so, um, Lori Romero. Isn't she phenomenal? She's amazing. Yes. She's amazing. So yes. as, as they all are, they really are. I mean, we're just, Trisha and I talk about this all the time. It's like, oh my gosh. When we, when I say back to March, when we just, you know, shut the doors down, we all know what that felt like. And I'm pretty sure I was the first one that said we can never teach our students online. Hmm. Um, 
wow, we didn't have to. They, our, our teachers just went like, well, we can do this, help us. And we gave them the tools and got them together and taught them Zoom and whatever we needed. And right. off they went. It was the most amazing transition. If I'm, not, I would have if I'm not mistaken, you guys had, um, had somebody reach out to you talk about this if you if you know what I'm where I'm going with this to say tell us what you did because they wanted to use us as a model can can you talk do you know what I'm talking about like yes guys, yeah yeah we sure can yeah um we had uh, a conversation with the the state director of adult education at ICCB her name is Kathy Olson Tracy and um, we had asked um, for a little bit of time from her back in, I think it was May, Pat, um, because she, we had been on a, on a webinar with her and she had been talking about the, um, just, you know, for adult education in the state, barrier after barrier after barrier and unsurmountable obstacles and such challenge. And we have had um, a couple of really incredible successes. And one of them had to do with, um, with the enrollment process we, we created to continue to um, address, you know, our community's need to have programs despite COVID. And um, we also have this, these ICAPS programs. We had three cohorts going in the spring. And um, not only did all of those students complete their semester despite the, the upheaval of having to suddenly switch to online and, and go through all of that, but they enrolled for the spring semester and we have two finishing this December. And we just wanted Kathy to know that there are great things happening in the state despite this. You know, stu our students are learning some great resiliency skills mm -hmm. and they're showing us a lot of grit. And uh, so we were asked to uh, produce just a, a very short, you know, two-page summary that our, our transitions coordinator, Jenny Morgan, and I worked on together to showcase how we um, not only um, provided ICAPS during COVID, but we thrived and we sustained ICAPS mm -hmm. through COVID. And uh, so that will be released in the ICCB report to the governor mm -hmm. in, um, I think, the, the winter issue. She wanted it back in July, but I think it's going to be produced in December or January. Mm -hmm. Congratulations oh, on yes. that. Yeah. yeah. Setting the standard with our program. So, yeah. Yes. And I have to add, too, that uh, not only did, did, did Pat and, and her instructional team say, okay, we're going to do this, but they said, hey, you know what? This would be a great time to start a brand new program. <laughs> you want to talk about that, Pat? Oh, I think we may have lost Oh, okay. We'll, 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 we'll have to circle back. back. Yeah, we'll get her yeah. back. Can you talk to us a little bit about the demographics of the students that are in the program? Sure. I shared a little bit about the demographics of, of uh, the ESL students, but mm -hmm. our, our students in this program-wide, the average age is 35, which is a surprise to a lot of people because you hear the word GED and you might think of a recent high school graduate or high school uh, student who had dropped out. And sure. certainly we do have those. We do have, you know, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old students. But we also, there's a great need in our state for um, this service for for students who are mid-career. Mm -hmm. And we do see that, that the ESL students do tend to be in their 30s as average, but we, we see all ages, you know. And then um, we, we just received a very interesting study from the state that, you know, we do know that there is a population out there that don't take advantage of adult education services. And we were surprised to learn that they uh, average an age between, uh, in their 40s and 50s, between 40 and, and 59. 
So that is a population we would we would love to connect with, you know, mm-hmm. to have that that um, sort of diversity uh, help the program to be appealing to them, knowing that it is not too late. This is not a program for just young young adults. You know, this is this is for everyone. And um, aside from that diversity, we certainly have, you know, uh, racial diversity, we have gender diversity, we have um, language, <laughs> linguistic diversity, mm-hmm. country of origin. Um, so we have, uh, you know, a lot of that uh, I- present in, in our, our student population. And, and they really come from all kinds of places. Uh, I, I suppose one way to describe them would be, you know, someone who is who is never really been in the workforce and then somebody who has been in the workforce and needs to return to training Mm -hmm. you know so we really do see the gamut of um, individuals it's a very interesting cross-section of our community yeah it sounds fascinating so do you go to organizations you know they can come to you but I'm imagining this might work just as well if you would take your resources and your information and go do testing off-site do you ever do that you know, uh, we we have, and it, it's it is so interesting. I feel like we have got this down to a science because intuitively that might that might feel like um, a very logical kind of thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have found though that practically um, taking the service to an organization is not as effective as training that organization or their students to participate in our in our process okay because um, coming to a testing center and you know participating in that is really a first step mm-hmm. you know um, Pat has a I'm gonna quote you Pat she has a hilarious uh, thing that she says that you know we could take the program to the students front door it does not mean they would come which is true mm-hmm. so we try to train them to participate train them to um, you know understand how to complete an enrollment form and then show up for the testing uh, as far as partnerships, though, we have excellent relationships with um, with many community partners. Um, Miguel Toledo is our educational advocate counselor, and all of us maintain relationships. But he has is the one closest in touch because he makes referrals regularly. Okay, but he will um, we will work with those those uh, partners to train them on what they they need their student to do, and that cohesion of one process is it just yields dividends because then all of our partners learn the process it doesn't change sure. you know it's not scattered mm-hmm. and um we're a very small staff so it's a little bit more manageable to you know to um to you know to offer them in more centralized mm-hmm. ways but but we actually do have this conversation regularly because if we get a reach out from a community partner we kind of talk about the options um and usually we wind up at this very point that like that the best thing is to have them follow our process got it interesting so it was an intuitive uh, question then right 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 yes yes full of intuitive questions Um, before we lost Pat, you were setting her up to talk about a new program. Do you want to set that I up was, again I, and have her? Talk I was. About it? Yes, I had of said course. that. I did. I said that uh, not only did um, we we think that we needed to shift our entire pro- program online in March, but Pat and her lovely team of instructors said, "You know what? We're in a pandemic. This would be a great time to start a new program," and they did. So tell us about that, Pat. We did, and it's been one of those, we've tried it in different versions over the span of time, but um, what we see is, and especially with towards the younger side of our, our, our students, is they want to get in and get out. Now, trust me, 
all of our students want to get in and get out. Mm -hmm. So, um, but for the ones that can do that, we really didn't have a vehicle in there in place that said, okay, let's start here and be and and end at another time. So, um, I approached two of my um, instructors and said, you know, let's talk about this, and we kind of said a day ran with it. They thought it was absolutely amazing. So. We came up, Trisha actually named the program GED Booyah, <laughs> and um, just for fun, for no other reason than it's just fun. That and, is fun. Um, what, it, what we do is, um, they've got it, it's very regimented. When we test the students, and if they, uh, obviously we need a student who's in, you know, tested at a, at, a, at a higher level to participate in this. And um, it's an eight week program. They technically can start on day one and in eight weeks finish their GED. So, um, does that is that a big deal? It's a really big it's deal. It's a huge nice. deal, and um, big deal, especially right now where um, the focus of ICCB for adult education is, you know, making these level gains and getting these numbers and blah, you know. And we just know that we can't run the program. We can't have the results that we've had over the years in a pandemic it just can't happen so what can we do best in a pandemic to serve the students Mm -hmm. so um we started out we we ran two classes in the first eight weeks so we started in august and it ended it uh, the eight weeks was up in october and um we ran and immediately had i think it's nine eight or nine graduates and is that a big deal it's it's a really big deal number wise that's a huge deal so um but these students came in, some of them now, they did, you know, join our class with uh, um, having taken a test or two for, a, for the GED. They actually take four tests plus the Constitution. And um, so some of them were, you know, in the midst of testing. But the push is they, they instruct one week, they do a practice test, they look at the schedule for that test for the second week. They take it and they move on to the next subject. Mm. So um, they cover the four subjects and the Constitution in there somewhere. Um, in the eight-week time, and these people are doing it. Some of them have finished. Some of them have started at no test and, and finished in the eight weeks. So it's a really, really cool opportunity. It is not for everyone. Yeah. The, student, the instructors actually call each student what we think might be eligible or interested, and some of them have said yes. Yes, I want to do this, and others said, oh, I don't know. I'm gonna. I sure. think I need a lot more work than that, which is perfectly fine. They just go into our regular classes, but right. it's been kind of a, a fun thing to see this happen, and the the results have been beyond phenomenal. For, that's great. For our program. That's great. Appreciate mm-hmm. that innovation. Yes. That, that sounds. You know, it's kind of similar to Running Start. So it's not for yeah. everybody, but right. it's uh, if it's, it's if it works somebody. for you, it's mm-hmm. yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, the real brilliance of it is th- that we know that our students are capable of this. Many many of our students are capable of taking those four tests in rapid succession and completing, but they don't have either the structure or the motivation or, mm-hmm. I mean, just the skills of, of just getting her done, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. these teachers, I mean, they're, they are moms. They tough love these students. Mm-hmm. They, they d- command what's going to happen next. And the right. students respond very well. And so we're basically putting students through, if they were in a regular class, some may have dropped out, Mm -hmm. some may have taken one test but gone very slowly, but they are driven. And that comes from the outside, you know, from the the mentality that we believe in the students before they believe in themselves. And we carry them to that point so they're able to succeed. So that 
brings me right to, and this is just, it's a misplaced campfire question, but it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfectly placed because now is the appropriate time. So this is for both of you. I know that in your time here at RBC, you must run into obstacles that show themselves over and over and over again in these students' lives. Each of you, this is the campfire question, so each of you are given um, $100,000 for a resource that you can use to help the students with one of the obstacles that you see them face all the time. For each of you, what will you do with that $100,000? Who wants to start? David's like, oh, good. The question's not for me this time. I can, I can start. I I have an inkling of a thought, so that I'll buy Pat some time to think. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, So you know, I think I would buy the students therapy. The the. No, that's the, this is the exact line of thinking. This is the exact line of thinking that I'm on. Yes. Yes, because, yes. you know, n- um, no amount of money for, for a book or a transportation resource or an incentive or, you know, you name it, you know, a material item will motivate a student. It has to come from within. And mm-hmm. our students really do, um, I mean, we, we do, you know, Miguel is brilliant at, at getting students, you know, help with, with all of those uh, material barriers or, you know, um, but the, the, the students that benefit the most are the ones where we apply strategic problem solving to teach them how to overcome a barrier. Yes. And, um, you know, it's not the barrier. It's, it's the students, the way they approach it. It's the way that they, they say this cannot be solved and they quit, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can take them at that point and um, somehow magically, you know, um, instill with that, with that gift, um, the ability to come to class every day and to know how important that is, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. stick with it, to, you know, if, you, if your plan A doesn't work, let's have a plan B and a plan C. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's uh, want this even on days you don't want this. Yeah, and this is exactly why I asked the question, because my gut tells me that there, are, there is some work that needs to be done in um, concert with, like, at the same time that this this is academic work is going on. Absolutely. So, in my mind, I'm imagining a mental wellness wellness curriculum that would be partnered with the academic curriculum. Yeah, I think so. Uh, only you know, and I think that does happen. Only it's it's quite informal. You know, our 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 an adult education instructor, like many professors and many other instructors, I'm sure, are kind of dra- jacks of all trades. They do serve as as counselor, mm-hmm, therapist, mm-hmm. motivator, coach. You know, right. Yeah. And, um, you know, if a student does not uh, attend our classes for twice in a row, the instructor intervenes in some way, you know, Mm -hmm. just what's going on, if we need to get Miguel involved or Pat and I involved to help them with a particular challenge uh, that that works. Um, Miguel is uh, another way he's brilliant. He asks the right questions of the students to find out really what's going on. You know, and we've discovered very interesting things like um, like maybe a st- one of our students, an ESL student who was in the low intermediate class, this is about three years ago, stopped attending. And the reason why was because he had been sick and he missed three days of class and he thought he wasn't welcome to come back because right. the teacher, where he came from, the teacher would have uh, shamed him in the mm-hmm. class for missing mm-hmm. 
So, you know, we explained that does not happen here. The teacher will be thrilled to see you. You'll be very welcome. Mm -hmm. So identifying precisely the problem, mm -hmm. um, asking those right questions and addressing, you know, the deeper needs. And, and the deepest needs students have is a lot to do with self-esteem, mm -hmm. which um, the, the idea of uh, goal setting you know, civic participation, mm -hmm. um, motivation. Those are about, uh, what, what would you say, about three or four years ago, Pat, they really started being integrated heavily in adult education because yeah. retention is such a challenge, you know, in, in our programs. So maybe that $100,000 would be for a coach for each student. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Having having funds that each student or, or, or a coach had five, maybe a cohort of five students, because a lot of times when you hear other students that are going through the same thing struggle similarly, you have that feeling of universality, like I'm not alone. This is happening to other people, and they found a way mm. to get through it and, and share with me how you got through it, and then I can maybe get through it as well from hearing your experience. So. That was my gut, and, and I'm not surprised by that answer. I, I could not agree more. I think that that definitely would be, if we had unlimited resources, that would be a logical fit. Yeah. What about you, Pat? What would be your dream resource? <laughs> I was hoping I got to spend $100,000. <laughs> I think I think it's, um, I think I was shaking my head the whole time Trisha was talking because it's all, yeah, 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 I, you know, absolutely she was dead on. But I if I had $100,000, I think I'd go bigger than our students and I would start some sort of movement in the city of Rockford that valued the culture of education. Mm. I think that, um, and this isn't just our students, I think this is just a huge, huge population. Um, we, don't, we don't promote that. We don't see that, you know, what is the value of education? Mm. Whatever that education is, but what is the value? And unless we all as a community embrace the culture of education. I, you know, we can't start moving, you know, we're moving little pebbles, not big rocks. Mm. Um, so I, I would take that money somehow. I'm not quite sure I'd have to think about it, but, um, and, and invest in a, some sort of movement within the, you know, the city of Rockford. You know, that, I you think know, that, I think that's a brilliant answer. I think there is a counter narrative to higher education that's gaining steam right now. And that answer is actually um, very, very wise. I, I could not agree more with that answer. Yeah, I'm wondering if you could work with Transform Rockford because education mm -hmm. is the is one of the pinwheels of. Well, it reminds of me of we had Lorraine Logan on last week, and it reminds me of the work that Lorraine is doing with mm -hmm. some of the groups in Rockford who have the odds stacked against them. Lots and, of promise. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Yep. Yep, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And, and you know what's interesting about that? That um, those people um, who are working in the in the, the cog of education in the transfer Rockford thing, um, I'm sure Trisha would agree with them with me that nobody's reached out to us. Mm. Well, we need to make that happen. And, mm -hmm. but do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. there is a, and I, it's not just us. It's just not Trisha and I. But there's you know certainly areas that are being addressed, you know, on a, a smaller scale that could become a larger scale with, mm -hmm. the, you know, the right backing and the right support. No doubt. Um, right. You know, the, the number is, I think, the number, Trisha knows I hate more than anything, 40,000 people in Boone and Winnebago County mm -hmm. are um, lacking a high school diploma. Um, I think it's a stupid number only because it doesn't really apply to 
But even if it was half that number or a third of that number, that's a lot of people. And, yes. and are we affecting, um, I mean, we're getting results and affecting it, but even with a thousand people in our program, we're not, you know, anywhere near that number because not only are we tackling the number on the end that we're on, um, you know, we're still creating that number. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the pipeline has died. There's still always people um, leaving school for whatever reason. So our number is, you know, it just kind of is a continuous thing. And I think there's some big picture here that needs to be addressed. Yes, I agree. That was you know, well, as a community. Yeah, that was very well said. I am curious. I'm always curious when we talk to a guest, um, what is your personal career passion? I'm sure it's changed over time, but like, what is your area of focus right now? And if you had an extra 10 hours a week, what would you be researching more about? Trisha probably already is researching. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, that, that, that one's a little bit of a, of a thinker. Um, you know, th- mine is, it, this might not be, um, you know, super surprising, but, you know, um, language acquisition theory is, is always interesting. You know, that's the thing that I tend to read about. You know what kinds of uh, you know it's 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 really complicated and it's fascinating. You know what what components are necessary for language learning, and um, you know I I think that we're like Pat said fortunate to work with you know brilliant wonderful instructors. But if we can equip them with the the best strategies possible, the best tools, um, you know uh, that's something that. Um, you know, adult education has, and this is a very interesting thing, you know, um, every once in a while we'll get um, an, an inquiry that, that just kind of makes us chuckle, you know, like a surprise that we pay our teachers and they're not volunteers, <laughs> or a surprise that it takes more than speaking the English language to teach it, mm-hmm. you know, um, or that if you can, you know, read well or, you know, have an interest in this population, you can teach you know, there really is an expertise to be applied, and um, all, all of our instructors get at least 10 hours of professional development every year. Many, many get more than that. They're very much professionals in their field. We have, uh, there's something ICCB has recently created called the Standards Proficient Pathway, which is sort of this tiered uh, professional development track for teachers, and they go through math specialist, reading specialist, English as a second language specialist, all the way up to master teacher, and there's there's you know, somewhere around, you know, 25 to, to 50 hours of professional development each level. Mm-hmm. And um, th- these are the, the pr- practitioners that are working with us. Th- so the, the lessons that they prepare are, are high quality. Um, and uh, so, so it's not just us, you know, we don't have to, you know, Pat and I don't have to necessarily um, be, you know, experts in, in all of these strategies, but we certainly need to have the network where our, our teachers can access some of this sure. information. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that just, just expertise in teaching so that when a student comes to us, they are in the hands of a skilled practitioner mm-hmm. who can move them to the next level. And it's, it, you know, we, we think all the time about how, what a sacrifice it is sometimes for students to come to us. And, you know, they're taking time out of their family life, out of their work opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're applying motivation, which they may have in scant measure, to this program. So what can we do to make the time absolutely as valuable as it can be? And before I let you off the hook and we go to Pat, for her to answer that question, where does that come from personally on a personal level for you? Why are you personally so fascinated by language acquisition? Um, 
You know, I, I think languages themselves have always fascinated me. I've been, you know, I, I, I took, you know, German was my first foreign language just to study formally in school. Mm-hmm. When, when I um, was in, I, I have a master's in um, intercultural studies with mm. a, a certificate in TESOL, and I took a, a, a graduate level grammar course and just b- blew me my mind. It was like taking a math course just to understand, you know, the, the science of grammar almost, mm-hmm. you know, the functioning of grammar. And you know, since I um, I got so inspired when I came here, you know, I've, I've made um, small stabs at trying to learn languages throughout my life, you know, but when I when I got here and I realized the number of languages there were, I got so excited just to want to, to interface with those students and speak to them. And the very few, when I first came, the very few opportunities I had to do that, it's just delightful to, to exchange anything in their language. So mm-hmm. I studied Russian, Egyptian, Arabic, French, and Swahili, and then Spanish, which I already spoke a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I, I use Pimsleur, and I, I um, thir- you know, 30-minute lessons, and you do a lot of production, you know, so I'd learned how important production was. And just, it, it, it astonished me myself. It was magic the way that I would pick it up. And I can't say much now, unless you conversationally speak it in a, in a regular, you know, kind of everyday household way. It's very difficult to retain but the the you know I because I've dabbled in it so much and I, I see the the kind of the magic of it of what language learning and language acquisition looks like it makes me perceive the students as magicians you know they are just brilliant the way that they can speak multiple languages the the thought processes of of language learners are interesting so it comes down you know it always comes down to the students you know wanting to be someone who not only can you know enjoy and interface with them, but who they see as someone who wants so desperately to connect with them. Yes, beautiful. Pat, what about you? Oh, I can't couldn't, couldn't possibly compete with what you just heard. Oh, um, <laughs> but I, I I think of it differently because um, I'm more into the population. So my my researching my studying would be in. To, you know, where are these people coming from and what can we do for them to help them, you know, advance into whatever, you know, the next steps are for mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just, you know, a lot of reading about, um, uh, you know, Trish and I have this conversation all the time, too. We, we talk a lot, in case you're wondering. <laughs> but, um, we but we do because... Um, you know, we are we are so regulated in what we can provide as a program with um, with our you know our connection and our funding through ICCB. But once again, it's um, examining that you know somebody somewhere I always say in an ivory tower comes up with an idea, and it it sounds great on paper, and actually we could buy into it because it makes sense to us. But it's hard, hard sell to our students. Mm. So you know, I want to know the programs that or the interventions or the actions or whatever that would help them get from point A to point B, not creating programs that have a lot of regulations and a lot of restrictions and, and um, protocol that has to be follow, followed. Um, that's If you're not in the field, and Trisha and I both have been in the field, um, do, you know, right there in the trenches with them, you don't, you know, you can say, oh, that is, that's fabulous. We know that our ICAPS program, which is, you know, having them complete the GED if they need it and, and working with a, um, an academic support um, instructor and, and being in credit classes is fabulous. 
we can't sell it to our students for anything. It should be full. We should have be running 10, 12 people through it because we know in our heads what it makes sense, how, how perfectly it works, but it's a hard, hard sell to our students. And, and, and I want to know how to get, reach them in that way. Mm-hmm. What can, what can I learn about how they're living or their community or their family or whatever it is to, to get them from one point to the next. And it's not necessarily by, by flashing um, bright programs, you know, and shiny things at them. Well, I can um, tell you and, that if that's the way that you live your life day to day and you show that kind of curiosity and genuine interest in these students that you're working with, I know you're doing a fabulous job. Well, thank you. But I have to say, and Trisha always laughs because it, we have conversations all the time and I'll be like, okay, even as a staff, and I'll say, but does this serve the student? Because to mm-hmm. me, there is mm-hmm. nothing else that I do. Right. Nothing else that I do but serve the student. Yep. And if it means that one student takes, you know, an enormous amount of time, it doesn't matter to me. It's serving. That's my job is to serve the student. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's all, and, our um, it, yeah. all of our jobs. It is. And it's, but sometimes they take a lot, you know, a lot of, uh, yeah, and Trisha wants me to share, of course, one of her favorite stories. But our students on the ABEASD side, you know, it's sometimes a revolving door. So they come in, they've got the right, best intentions, and, you know, life gets in the way and they're gone. Mm-hmm. And then a semester or another later, we'll see them again, and we'll see them again. And there was one of my students, this was a couple years ago, he walked in and I was like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? Are you not finished yet? You know, kind of thing jokingly of course and he said no miss pat this is my time and he had i am sure if i look back he had been enrolled at least six times wow and um i'm like okay mm-hmm. you know never and then sure enough he finished in one semester and was actually one of our student speakers at graduation Aww. so i it reminded me once again i can't close that door i can't ever close that door i always say it, our students never leave us mm-hmm. they never leave us Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's just, it has to be the right time. And sometimes they let life get in the way. And, and this guy went into our ICAPS program after that. And, you know, it's just been, you know, there's some good stories. I have actually a little bit of a story. One of the, I won't go into details, but there's somebody coming on your program who started many, many years ago with me. Hmm. So. Ooh, that's a good mm. teaser right there. Yeah, that is a good that's teaser. That's a good teaser. Yeah. Yes. You know, I've, I, I often get the question, you know, at the state level interfacing with other directors, you know, they'll hear, like, how many GED graduates we have, and they'll say, well, how do you do that? How? And, you know, I want to give them an answer, like, well, here are the steps to having, you know, 100 to 200 graduates a year, but th- there is no step-by-step process the answer is you have pat young direct the program <laughs> because you know she she and i both i think share the value and the love of, of just being present with mm-hmm. each student that we're with mm-hmm. you know we're present with them we try to understand them we don't look at them as a difficult population we, we would never sit around and describe them as a difficult population you know they are individuals you know i see um 
I, I've, I know enough stories to see the challenges that a refugee has in coming to the United States and wow. in six months needing to learn how to get their kids in school and go to the doctor and set up all their, their support and find a job and my goodness, you know, and learn the language on top of everything. And, you know, uh, knowing the, the, the very incredible uh, accomplishments that our students have made, you know, we see all of that. So we see, we see our students as, you know, overcomers and yeah. achievers mm-hmm. and, you know, even if they don't see it. So, so we're, you know, being present with the students, if you are with a student and if you're really listening, if you're really present with them, you, you see, you see them a lot more clearly than you might if you say, okay, here's a low level student who is probably not going to stick with the program. You, you can't think about it like that. You mm-hmm. have to see the individual and then there are possibilities that just open up. No doubt. And, and your love of language leads you to your framing and your mindset <laughs> that the way you just described those two students and, you know, very differently absolutely has an outcome attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty clear. And I can vouch for this because I've seen it at the at the ceremony every year that it's very much a family atmosphere with mm-hmm. adults yes. that not just all of you, the, the people that yep. work down there, but with your students as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see the pride in your eyes as each student crosses the stage as if they were one of your own family members. So that's, that's right. It, it is such a meaningful achievement. You know, we had a uh, at a staff development event, we had uh, a, a speaker, and this is at the state level, that was a former, um, you know, GED completer himself and, and his story. And he described that when he completed the GED, you know, and a lot of st- our students come from uh, uh, from cultures like this where it's a family-centric culture. So when he achieved the GED, it was for the entire family. Mm-hmm. So you bet there's going right. to be 24 people yes. in the stadium, you yes. know, watching mm-hmm. him because this is their achievement. And, mm-hmm. we, you know, Pat and I feel that way too. You know, we feel a little bit of of, uh, of ownership in that pride because yes. it's mm-hmm. been an investment that our teachers have made and our, our staff and we have made. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's... it's now, how many people you have do you have in your in your department? Like, how many people work closely with you every single you day? You know, we are small and mighty. <laughs> we have our, our two phenomenal um, uh, support staff members. We have Angela Yurk and Rebecca Bach. We have David Goodacre, who is bookkeeper of the year. He's incredible and keeps us all in line. And then it's Pat and I as, as co-directors, and we have our um, stu- our educational advocate counselor Miguel and our transitions coordinator Jenny, and that is it. That is wow. us. And wow. we have uh, how many how many instructors do we have between us, Pat? We always argue about this from <laughs> semester to semester. About thirty. Thirty something, yeah. Yeah, okay. and it can get quite go, go up and down around that, but um, mm-hmm. but you know, so um, seven people, you know, and mm-hmm. and um, I we would be remiss not to say that you know a lot of our success and a lot of our uh, professional you know um, opportunities come from the leadership and support that we have because uh, uh, Dr. Amanda Smith is is an amazing advocate for adult education, mm-hmm. loves it. I know she supervises a lot of programs. We will never let go <laughs> of the reality that we are her favorite. <laughs> and, you know, she really loves, she loves refugees. She loves Aww. GED students. She loves, you know, what we do and values it highly and represents that for us, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So we have, um, you know, certainly good. We, we have, we've always had great support at Rock Valley and leadership, which is really important you know to uh, adult education is a, a key part of the mission and I feel you know Pat and I have always felt like the leadership recognizes that mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of it has to do with with Amanda telling our story 
Sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we... our program is is what it is because of Amanda's leadership. Without mm. a doubt. Without a doubt. I love that. We'll make sure that I send this podcast to her and make her yes. listen. Yes. So before we go on to the questions, the fun part of the podcast, <laughs> I, I just want to ask both of you. Is there anything that you want our listeners to know? This is your shot. Any information, anything that, you know, faculty should know, people that are listening and maybe they know someone that they just, they've talked about school, but they just haven't taken that first step yet. Um, well, I, I'm going to speak for Pat. I'm going to say something you would say, then, then Pat, you can think of something that I would say. Um <laughs> Yeah, Pat would say that um, we are the premier adult education program in our community, meaning that um, when, you know, we serve the gamut of levels, you know, mainly, um, we, uh, our instructors are are highly professional and trained and um, our services are effective. You know, we uh, we can quote some statistics about, you know, we, we meet performance targets year after year after year. We knock those things out. Um, so it, it's a very high quality um, program. If anyone would like to be a part of it, would would like to send someone, you know, know that you're going to be in very good hands, very mm-hmm. capable hands. Um, and uh, the other thing I would just add to that is, is it takes that first step and then it also takes a lot of work, you know, the, the, the instructors and even our, our counselors and our uh, our transition staff, we will help the student all we can, but as much as we would like to, you know, have pride in that, in that victory, it is the students. They have put in the work and that's, it takes a lot of work. So come, you know, ready to work. And if you do that, you know, we'll make your investment very worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Pat? And Trisha would say, Bring me more languages and more countries. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that up, that number up, right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Every time I hear it, it's just, seriously, I just like, like smile and say, that is so cool. That to me, I always make her say it all the time because it's like, to me, one of the coolest mm-hmm. um, stat, um, statistics of our program, you know, is that, oh, are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. It just blows people away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In hindsight, I wish you had quizzed us on that. Oh, try, that would have been good. Yeah. To try oh. to guess. Yeah. yeah I, Cause I don't think I would have come close no. to that. Well, I don't, I'm the program director. <laughs> I, you know, so we have a great partnership with the YMCA at Riverside where, where we have, uh, we had two ESL classes that we piloted there before the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. you know, we hope to be back and, the future, and um, so as a part of that, developing that partnership, they they wanted some statistics on the program. So I said, well, I'll count their languages and countries. I bet it's going to be you know ten or more. Mm-hmm. How about thirty nine? Wow. And we're talking about about a hundred students. So every third student is something different. Wow. It's Great. just That's so cool. Blows your mind, and they have so much fun in the classes with this. Yeah, uh, yeah so they cool. must have potlucks. They bring something from their country. It's incredible. They. They uh, talking to each other. They learn. They do presentations about their country. And they, they, I mean, can you even imagine how rich that learning is? Mm. Love it. Yeah, I, I want to be in that class. I know <laughs> it's it's fascinating. Yes. So you yes. you two clearly have a lot of fun together. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. What do you each like to do for fun when you're not together? When you're not working? When you're away from things? And let's say pre-COVID, because everybody's answer changes under the current circumstances, right? Because there's only so much you I'm can. First, because she, she'll steal the thunder. So yeah, Pat, <laughs> what do you like to do for fun? Well, 
um, first of all, my family, absolutely my family, but my husband and I, two years ago, two years ago in December, bought a, a lake house up north. Oh. Um, and so that is, that is our, our, our go-to place. We're mm. both water people. We've owned mm. houseboats and all kinds of things. And this is, um, kind of our final hurrah. So, um, that's what I will plug. It's in the city of Ladysmith, Wisconsin. So nice. that's I'm, my favorite thing to I'm do. jealous. Yeah. So Most just, weekends oh. you will find Pat in Ladysmith. Yes, going north. She gives me, sends me pictures of otters and deer and stars. And oh my gosh, it's, it is gorgeous. I think Amanda's just going to show up in Ladysmith. Like, 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 and what about Amanda. Bob? Knocking on the door. <laughs> Have you seen what about Bob? Amanda, where he just shows Bob? up. In the, yeah. yes, David. Dr. Leo Martin. David. <laughs> David, I'm getting an invite here. Will you please pipe down? She's gonna wa- you're just going to wander through town shouting her name until you find her. You know what? I know where oh, she man, lives. No. I'll tell you. I'm listening. First of all, I'm listening. I would, I would absolutely invite you in a heartbeat, but, you know, we exchanged some personal information before this podcast started so now you know but, yeah um, hey, i will give you I, directions you can... yeah i was gonna say don't give out the address here on the air so i, w- oh, I, I will... would never but i will give you the address you can come there in a heartbeat if you like to be outside it's on the water if you like yeah. to be outside and the nature it's everything yeah. we don't have tv and we don't have um internet oh, and, water is and, my serenity uh, my, so water is my serenity my, as long as you have water i'm there Sounds I am uh, not too long ago. A friend of mine said to me, "I think water feeds you." Yes. And I thought, ah, "Yep." I think she's right. <laughs> I could. Yes, I relate a hundred percent. It is. Oh. It is absolutely my happiest place in the whole world mm. is, is the water. So. Well, I can't wait to see some pictures of you and Amanda next summer <laughs> on social media, having a blast. She really wants to get one of those, what are they called, Pat? Gators, like you can drive it from the road right into the water and it's a boat. She's, and she wants one that seats two, so you two could go together. Hey, I, you know what? Yes. If you get one of those, count me in. <laughs> wow. We just have a little bit of an access problem maybe on our little, yeah. like, we would be going like 90 by the time we got to the water. That might be scary, but, you know. So, well, how do you, what, what do you got, Trisha? How are you going to top that? <laughs> how are you going to top that? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's, it's really gorgeous. Well, well, I would say, you know, it's, it's interesting how, you know, I don't, you know, people are just multifaceted, you know, we're, we can be many things and I am an ad- adult education director and, and I'm also a writer. Okay. So, um, you know, anytime, literally anytime I'm not working, I'm pretty much writing. So, mm-hmm. Uh, novelist, uh, poet, short story writer, hmm. and wow. so that is sort of a, a, a second career. Maybe it's something that I have at the same time. I've been doing it for about six years, mm-hmm. and um, it's very oh, just a fascinating thing to do. It's it's sort of the love of language thing, only it's yes. getting very very deeply into the English language. But it's um, it's a craft that I can develop, and I can you know I'll never stop learning about it. It's it's thrilling to have you know, something that you can continue learning about, you know, through adulthood. It promises a lot of challenges. It's extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. But um, but I've crafted. I have, I have two um, uh, literary fiction novelettes uh, that are on Amazon. Okay. I oh. publish through Kindle Direct Publishing, Indie Publishing. And what are they called? What, what they um, called? One is called Sea of Glass. Mm-hmm. That one I published earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And one is called Where Fish Can Breathe. And I published it in 2017. 
And yes, and, and I would say, you know, I've written about eight novels and about four of them, I would say, are ready to be submitted to literary agents or publishers. And wow. I've got... I've got a publisher in Canada that's uh, looking at a full manuscript of a young adult fantasy novel I wrote. Wow. That is, it just, it just is so much fun. And I, I just really dream of getting that published one day. And then I've got um, a literary agent who is probably my dream agent if I were to have one. He's, he's amazing. Uh, looking at um, a, a different young adult fantasy mm-hmm. novel that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, so that really is, uh, you know, a, a very deep passion, and it's uh, I'm I'm so motivated or determined, you know, stubbornly determined to do it and to get good at it that I, I literally spend all of my time. Can you it give us a little like teaser? Of I the, was just going to say, can yeah. you just give us one, just one line, oh, like okay. one line, I can. one line of of one of just. You know how much yeah. power you know how much power can be in one line. Well, I'm curious, yeah, especially just, the just one line, the one yes. you're trying to get published, the YA uh, fantasy. <laughs> okay, writer. yeah. Uh, well, I'll give you, I'll give you, yeah, I've got that handy dandy right here. Yeah. While I'm looking that up, I'll give you. Um, I'm going to talk while you're looking that up. <laughs> yeah, go, go <laughs> ahead, Pat. Well, because um, I'm a big reader, you know, and I read a lot of stuff, everything. Well, not much nonfiction, but fiction. She blows me away with her talent. And I'm not saying that because she's my co-director, I'm telling you. In fact, I have a book club and she has come and and, and joined our book club and let us read some, you know, a novel she was working on. We got to read the first three chapters and, and then, you know, the book club. And we she's actually come up a couple of times because my, it's the whole process is fascinating mm. in how you go from where she is and what she's created to something that, you know, gets published. And I read a lot of lousy written books. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. And I yeah. just don't understand because I've been waiting now, well, since 2016, I believe I've been waiting <laughs> to have a, a book signing party for oh. her. And we haven't got it there yet, but it's coming. It'll come. So um, I she, just you really it. just catch what she reads or is written because the talent is beyond anything uh, I, I read on a normal level. So. Amazing. Yeah, and, I, and I know David's super jealous uh, because that's one yeah. of his dreams really? is to be a writer. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if I can even say I'm jealous because, I mean, you. Envious? Yeah. Maybe that. I don't know what the right word is. Cause, uh, envious. Yeah. I want yeah. what you have. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But. Maybe that's Jeal- not, jealous. Is I'm mad at you for it. Maybe that maybe neither of them are appropriate then because it's more like good for you for going yeah. after it and yeah. doing it because yeah. a lot of us it's easy for a lot of people like me to sit back and just wish for it but you made and it. And I happen. think that's where the word envy comes in because it's almost like saying I want that discipline that you have right because I know yeah. I have it in there I yeah. just need that discipline right you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and you know I feel like you know I feel like writing sort of um, came up. For from behind me and just attacked me because I, I had it all started in 2014 when I I Brian and I were out to dinner and he was actually um, telling me about a Caskey lecture he'd attended that I missed and it was not anything to do with that but I said hey you know what would make a really interesting movie and I told him this idea and the next morning I woke up with just ideas flooding about this book. So over the course of one fabulous summer, I wrote like 400,000 words mm-hmm. and which ended up being a science fiction, adult science fiction trilogy. 
And I had no idea what I was doing, but it was so much fun. And I got absolutely mm-hmm. swept away. And then le- I, I connected with um, an editor out of Wisconsin who's a professional writing coach. And I, I showed him that. And he very, very kindly showed me all the ways it wasn't working. <laughs> so this, this is so awesome because you're reminding me of something. You, you are a living testament to something I read that I, I couldn't see anything more clear for you. And it says, when you find your calling, you won't have to dig for motivation. When you find your calling, you will be captivated by Absolutely. It. You will wake up <laughs> thinking about it. You will go to bed thinking about it. Your mind will not shut off. You will be captivated. And that's what I hear you saying. Totally. I, I'm on a ship. Sure. I am yep. in the ocean. I have set sail. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now I'm on a poetry kick. I wake up every morning and I write two or three poems. It's been happening for a few months and I'm learning to, to write poetry that way. And you mm-hmm. just, you know, at this point, it's, it's actually, I, I feel like I'm hurting cats. Like there's so many poems I have to organize right now just to be able to find them all because they're just, Mm -hmm. you know, and that happens. Sometimes that happens with novels where and it's such an interesting it's like your essential self. You know, it's almost Mm -hmm. like the subconscious writes Mm. these things. Interesting. And yeah. you're sort of just the catalyst or the channel for them. Yeah. I'm crazy yeah. curious. So when you when you told Brian you had this idea for a movie, what was the what'd you say? What was the elevator pitch for the <laughs> Well, I, hey, babe. Um. <laughs> I certainly did not have an elevator pitch at that time. I do now, but I, I didn't have one at that time. It, it had something to do, which this is not the novel at all, but it had something oh. to do with, um, with, you know, the problem of, of nuclear proliferation mm-hmm. and, you know, that problem of, um, you know, how to you know, get the world to recognize the problem of nuclear arms and to stop it. That's kind of okay. what okay. the lecture was about. Sure. And, um, and it's, uh, and so what has it morphed into? So what is the plot of this? Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you, hang on just a second. <laughs> I'll, so here, here's my elevator pitch for that one. And this is, um, this is the, uh, have to just kind of scroll down to it. This is the what I would tell an agent if I were sitting down pitching the book. Okay, that's what I want. Yes. Okay. Lyra, a um, savant archaeologist who's lost everything to grief, dedicates herself to a controversial science campaign, uncovering signs of life on an exoplanet, all the while defending her research from criminals. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, I was drawn in like with the first couple of words because I have a counseling background. So what was the... She's She's... The grief. The yes. grief. So yeah. you know there's going to be this huge theme of grief throughout the whole book. So I think that's fascinating because now you have to research that. In the first five words, you have a word in there that you have to become an expert on. <laughs> right? Right. Or, yeah. or a human experience, you know, sure. but, you know through, sure. through study, and which is a lot of research that goes into this stuff. Or, right. you know, personal experience to, to delve into that. And you really do. I, you know, I feel like these characters are... I, it's the weirdest thing. They are people. They are so real. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I feel like a lot of times they're, they're more real than the people I know. Um, I feel... You know, can, yeah. like just, Bastion. 
oh, Bastion, yeah, just he's he's my boy, you know. He's he's yeah. he's he's a fourteen year old kid in in mm-hmm. one of my novels, the one that Pat read, mm-hmm. and it's uh, you feel such a deep connection that on some level they just are real. It's it's yeah. really interesting, fascinating. Yeah. Well, I think we need to have you back on the podcast because this is a whole podcast worth of conversation. <laughs> oh, that yeah. would be so fun. Yes. Yeah, so of course, you and I need to read the book first. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do well, we. Yeah, I'm, we, I'm sufficiently yes. intrigued. Let's so am I. I'm curious. That. You you did your job. Well, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You want to you want to hear a first line? I do. I want to hear one of the, your favorite lines from that computer screen. Right okay. There, well, right, I'll right tell there. you. They they uh, they say that your opening line has to be knockout, and that yeah. is hard to do. I in fact I worked with my writing coach this summer on four of my novels just on the openings. Okay. Mm-hmm. First okay. 50 pages or so in the opening. It's got to be killer, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> I always think I've done it, and then I learn, you know, not too long sure. later that I'm really, really far off. But this is where I'm at. So so um, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you what, I'll, t- I'll give you the first line, and then I'll give you the elevator pitch for the book. Okay. This is a different book. This is a different book. Okay. This is a young adult fantasy. Okay. okay. Livy stood before the tavern's bleak threshold, its door cobbled of wrecked ships dividing her from either escape or her doom. She drew a steadying breath, suppressing the wiser part of her, screaming that she was out of her mind to have come. She pushed the worn door and slipped in. Yeah. Mm. And what's the, uh, what's the pitch for this one? So the pitch is mm. the novel in a, in a sentence after a near-drowning transforms Livy into a siren, she must learn to wield her powers and work with resistance fighters and mind-seeking dolphins to rescue friends from a military tyrant and stop the obliteration of Nocturne, the island sanctuary of sirens. Good lord. Oh. <laughs> David, David is over here shaking his leg in anticipation. <laughs> I'm yes. just, yeah. You I, are speaking his language right now. That is yeah. awesome to know about you. I didn't yes. know you had Well, a, now, a now the word envious does come yes. into play because yes. I'm envious of people who can think like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been yes. envious of, like, how in the world did George Lucas create yes. the Star Wars universe? How is that all in his brain? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. the fact that yeah. that can come out of people. Is, yes. And, you know, you, you'll if you if you ever sit down to try, you know, to try writing or to get into it, it's, it's amazing to have the experience that a, a lot of times the ideas come you mm-hmm. feel like you feel like you are dict you are being dictated to mm-hmm. and you're just literally the channel because yeah. it, it comes from such a, a deep place you know mm-hmm. the subconscious that the, the ideas are there and the the real trick though you know the the sculpting the story arc is not intuitive for me at all you know there has to be an internal arc of the character and then an external arc of plot and it is that that is the work of it you know the the ideas or the characters manifesting Mm -hmm. can come Mm -hmm. and if you stop there it won't work as a story so there then that then comes the adult learning then comes the lifelong learning and Mm -hmm. you know delving into craft reading books working with coaches talking with other writers to Mm -hmm. get it to the point where you can you can call it, you know, I, I really want to create art. I want sure. to create, yes. you know. Yes, yeah. it is art. Yes. Wow, that is wow. fascinating. You two, <laughs> you two have just blown me away today. Yeah, I'm gonna say, I was going to say I, that that pretty much. That's it. We don't have a need we for the random questions. We don't have a need for questions randomly get to know you because yeah. you two are pretty, yeah. pretty uh, um, organically awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ooh, organically awesome could be the title of the episode. Organically awesome. Yes. You got it this time, David. Yeah, well, sometimes it just See, hits he's you. See, he's a writer. Yeah. It's in him. It's he's in him. That's right. That's right. You've he's inspired me, you. Trisha. You inspired him. This is the first time in a long time he's come up with a title like that that quick. Everyone inspires me on this show. I just, uh-huh. Conley's got me playing drums, or he's going to have me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be writing a novel while I'm playing drums. Yeah. That <laughs> is it. That is it. But you yeah. know what? Or- organically awesome relates to the work that you two do every single day. See how that works? Truly. And it it works for our students. That describes every one of them. Truly. I mean, if you are not present with them, like the the intentional presence that you described, Mm -hmm. there is no way you'll have a shot with any student, much less students that have obstacles stacked against them like the students that you have worked with. And I just, I have so much respect for what you are doing. Yes, what thank, your thank whole you team is doing downtown. Thank you so yes. much. Enormous for, respect. Thank yep. you so much. Yeah, they, they need to know that we love them and and I hope they, they feel that. But you know, they also feel, you know, we can do that because we have the support of our college, mm-hmm. honestly, and our, you know, our leadership team and our peers. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes, you know, everybody goes into, uh, everybody contributes to that success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you and yeah, your team you for so everything much. you're doing. And yeah, and thanks for being on Everything RVC today. We appreciate you both. Yes. Well, thanks for giving us the opportunity. You bet. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. It's been so much fun. Pat, I'll see you on the boat. All right. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> Take, you betcha. <laughs> Take care. Oh, that was terrific. That was fun. That was so fun yeah. unexpected. Yeah. I mean, we talked about so many different things. I, I expected to talk about some of it, but right. the depth and the breadth that we went in that, I, I feel like we could have talked for another two or three hours. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially about that, that yeah. last, yeah, the last part. But um, even all of it, even, yeah. I mean, even, so it, just one sentence here, one sentence there, when, when Pat started talking about how, you know, her research is really sort of like a anthropologist is that the right word like somebody who goes into the culture and Mm -hmm. they make it their mission to learn the idiosyncrasies of the culture and I think that's what I heard her saying is you know I can I can read a book or you can put a program in front of me and I might understand what some people like she describes in the ivy tower think some of the obstacles Mm -hmm. might be but her heart her heart tells her, let me immerse myself as much as I possibly can into this culture and find out how this student is experiencing their own culture, because yeah. that's really where I can meet them where they're at. Yeah. So that I think was we really, really just scratched the surface with everything so do I. That's that, why I mean, that they do yeah. down there. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, that's the impression I got that that's even how they feel. Mm-hmm. Like we're only, you know, Pat kind of alluded to that, that 40,000 number that we always hear without a high school diploma in our region and, and, um, and she feels like maybe they're only scratching the surface of the impact sure. that they could have. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great work that they're doing down there. I hope this helps a little bit, get the word out, and we are going to talk about how we can do a little bit more uh, to market what they offer mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. to help people understand it a little bit better. Because kind of like we talked at the top, adult education doesn't necessarily resonate with somebody when you hear that term. Sure. Um, well, what does that mean? Because we have... A lot of students here on the credit side that there are adults. Yeah. So, I, I agree with you. I think I would love to just sit there and think about that kind of idea with you, or maybe some branding of that. You know, I kind of have a sidekick for branding. I think I found yeah. a new passion. <laughs> there you go. Sink your teeth into that. <laughs> I know. Now I'm really thinking about it. I'm curious. 
Well, I, I am just thrilled to, to learn more about them and about the program and the downtown campus and the reach that we have. I Every time I learn more about someone on this podcast, the pride that I have for Rock Valley College just grows yeah. every single time. And I am so blessed to work here. I am surrounded. We are surrounded by brilliant, caring people who have the best intentions for elevating and self-actualizing students everywhere in every area of the 815 region and I could not be more proud of it. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. It's and that's part of the reason why these these two times a week that we get together to do this are the thing I look forward to the most yes. now at this point. Yep. It's not just cuz I have fun sitting mm-hmm. here doing it with you. It's mm-hmm. just what you just said. Mm-hmm. It's the people that we're meeting and and even when I think I know the person, I come out of here yeah. realizing I did not. Right. And I know you've gotten that kind of feedback, too, from people listening. Like, mm-hmm. I thought I knew so-and-so, yeah. or I thought, you know, maybe I had a, an idea of what this person was about, but I did not. Yep. So, yeah, yep. it's been it's been great to unearth all that and discover that. And now I have something else I want to read. I love to read. So I now know. I'm going to have to go out to Amazon and buy Trisha's novels. So, yeah. yeah. Another successful... Uh, and... and one thing that this reminds me of when I'm listening to Trisha and I'm, I'm, she's in the room so I can see her passion and see her eyes light up like a Christmas tree, right? That Christmas tree yeah. moment. I want to know what our colleagues are into and what our colleagues are extremely passionate about and help them actualize what they want as well. Like right. I would love for more people to know about her writing and for more of us on campus to be reading and giving feedback and maybe connecting in that way so that we can really see each other for more fully who we are as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's been great. I'm getting to know you better even. Mm-hmm. So probably vice versa. Yep. So yeah, Absolutely. it's been great. So another fun day. Another fun week, hopefully. Our next guest will be a student, Dawn Dundas, coming on to the podcast. Former student, she'll have plenty of great stories to tell us as she was close to many, many colleagues here on campus, so I can't wait to talk to her. Can't wait. This has been Everything RVC with David and Amanda. Have a wonderful day.